Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up to the claw on this Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns alongside the one. The only. John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Bernsey, what's going on? Good to see the news coming out of Cincinnati. So good to see the news coming out of Cincinnati. Uh, DeMar Hamlin is awake. He opened his eyes last night. He's holding the hands of the doctors and the nurses. Incredible. He still has the tube, so he's not communicating via speaking, but he is writing down thoughts. Apparently, at one point, he even asked the doctors, did we win? And the doctor said, yes, you won the game of life was the answer the doctor gave to him Wow! in that regard. Um, Such great news. Such really great is. news. The, he, neurologically, everything appears to be intact. Which it, is remarkable. It truly is remarkable. remarkable. Yes. Um, I mean, every, the, the staff, the, 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 the emergency response that got to him so quickly, performed CPR. I think Justin Pugh tweeted out that it was did. one of his trainers from Syracuse. Yep. Um, that guy's a hero. I mean, that guy, that's a true hero right there because he saved his life. He saved his life. And that's uh, this is so many great things we're starting to hear right now that just makes me really happy. The gentleman's name is Denny Kellington. He was at one time the head trainer at Syracuse. Justin Pugh, to, you point, uh, to your point, thanked him personally on Twitter. Apparently he was the one who revived DeMar Hamlin on the field. Gave him CPR and chest compressions to get his heart back beating normally. So he is getting kind of singled out. Of course there was a whole team of them there. Yeah. But he specifically is getting singled out for knowing what to do in that moment and reacting as quickly as he did. So, obviously, no one's out of the woods yet, and the story is encouraging, but certainly it's it's not done, and it's not, you know, it's a long way from him, like as we were talking about yesterday or the day before, walking out of that hospital. But it's You know what it does? It, it, it allows the Bills to now in some way kind of get back to what their normal is. Yes, agree. And that's, you know, getting ready to try to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, there's just no, you know, having that piece like, okay, the road to recovery is there. There's a lot of good signs. Okay. Not that you don't keep worrying, but a, a lot, you know, you, you feel a lot better about the situation now than you did 48 hours no ago. No doubt about it. That's well said. And, and I think for the Bills, this is the, the thing they needed to be able to start looking ahead a little right. bit. So So that is great news. We're very thankful that so far those prayers have been answered. Let's weigh in on what our top story of the day is here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Four seconds left. All set to inbound near sideline. Holds the ball on his hip. Finds Bridges. He penetrates. Fades from 16 feet. No good. Rebound taken by Mitchell, and that'll do it. Cavs win it. 90-88, to 88, the final score at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. You know that old saying? You got what you wanted. I was just going to say that old yeah. saying, be careful what you wish for. That's you what might you get it. For. That's you what I wish for. Yeah. Hey, be competitive. Be competitive. Don't, don't lose no by, be losing by 32 points halfway through the second quarter. I got what I wanted. They were competitive, and yet it broke they my lost. heart a little bit yeah, last night because they had a seven-point lead with five minutes. Not that that's a lot in the NBA. They were 10 at one point, too. Yeah, I mean, for well, they, they had that run in the third quarter where the Cavs 
Suns came back and made it a game, and the Suns pushed it back out to 10, and they just couldn't hang on. Too much Donovan Mitchell at the end with his big three. Good looks for Mikel and Landry. They just couldn't finish. Landry hit the three to tie it back up. Mikel had a decent look there trying to tie the game, and he couldn't hit it. Now yeah. the Suns have lost seven of their last eight games. Yep, and they are now 2-8 and eight without Devin Booker. 20% winning percentage without Devin Booker. Two wins and eight losses. Suns have lost four straight, seven out of eight. You're right, Donovan Mitchell hits the huge three-pointer with 40 seconds left. That breaks the tie. Um, that was Cleveland's first lead of the second half. Then Landry Shamit comes back, you know, just catch and shoot three off a pass from Chris, ties it up, and then Mobley takes the feed from Mitchell, sinks the 14-foot jumper, four seconds left, and the Suns got a good look. Mikel got a good look. He was guarded by Mitchell. He misses the shot. Mitchell grabs the rebound, throws it up in the air. Game over. Cavs win. Suns were competitive. Uh, there were some good things that came out of that game. There were some bad things that came out of that game. But the, the the struggles for the Phoenix Suns to win basketball games, those continue. Where do you want to start? The good or the bad? Let's start with the good. I mean, okay. I, I could use some good right now. So let's start with the good. Okay. Um, Chris Paul is starting to look like Chris Paul a little bit, right? I, yeah, I, I think mean, slowly, surely, that was probably yeah. the best thing to come out of last night's game. Yeah, I don't think it's sustainable. I don't think he's going to be like that night in and night out because of the age. And, you know, there will be games when he's just not able to do it because his body's going to break down on him. But he was good last night. And he had to be with campaign, yep. going out with a foot injury, you know, in that first half, going out. And then Chris had to play mega minutes. Now, that's not sustainable. No, we know that. You have to rely on Chris Paul to play that many minutes in a basketball game. That's not sustainable. But he did play well. He did play well. He shot the ball well. He tried to pick up the scoring. I mean, it was a very low-scoring game, especially in the first quarter, in the first half. You're like, looking at this game, like, wow. But he was able to get some big baskets when he needed. I thought he did a good job, even defensively. I thought he did a good job. So um, that was a good sign that Chris had a solid game. I also think defensively, the way they played overall, and I do think you're right, Chris in particular, you know, having no, been known for his defense, that's been slipping a little bit the last couple of years. It's been slipping a lot this year. I thought he played really good defense last night. Again, I don't know if that's sustainable every single night. I thought defensively overall, the whole team played very well. The Cavs, 33 points in the first half, and even in the second half when that started to slip to hold Cleveland to only 90 points, I thought was pretty impressive. Yeah. DeAndre Ayton, he 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 talked he, the talk, and he backed it up last he did. night. He did. He went out there and did a monster job on the boards with the 18 rebounds. Look, that's the best rebounding team in basketball, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Suns out-rebound them. So that was huge that D.A. went out there and did everything that, they, that, he, that he said he was going to do or, or talked about doing. And he went out there and he was physical and um, played a really good game and gave them a chance. Was, Cleveland's got tremendous size and a lot of great athletes around the board. So for him to go out there and grab those 18 rebounds, look, I'm tired of watching DeAndre Ayton have five rebounds in a game or eight rebounds in a game. That's what he's capable of. That's what he needs to do. He went out there. He, he hit the boards really, really hard. And, uh, and that gave them a chance. That really gave them a chance because they didn't give Cleveland a lot of second chance opportunities because the Suns grabbed rebounds. Now, Cleveland, as I said yesterday, they're not a team that lives and dies by the three. They play a different style of basketball. They missed nine shots in a row to open the game. They didn't make their first field goal until the 538 mark of the opening quarter. And they were actually 0-14 from three-point range to start the game because, again, they're not a great, they're they're an efficient three-point shooting team, but they don't jack it up from three. But 0-14 from three-point range to start. I thought the Suns did a pretty good job of taking away the corner threes because that's the easiest three-pointer to make for a player is in the corners. I thought they did a good job of getting out on the corner the corner shooters and taking that shot away. If you missed it, the comments Aiton had made, quote, I'm not used to the no fight in 
us. He said that after the Knicks game, and as we talked about yesterday, they talked about last night on the Bally Sports Arizona broadcast, too. When you say things like that, okay, you're, you're trying to stir up your team, but you're also putting a little bit of a target on your own back. Like, you have you now have to go out and respond when you're talking about the team in general like that, how there's no fight. You need to go out there and play well. It's on you. And he did to the point where Monty, after the game, said, honestly, we probably needed to get the ball to D.A. a little bit more on a night like last night. I thought D.A. was, was pretty good tonight. Um, we probably didn't go to him enough down there. He showed a good percentage. He had 18 rebounds. I mean, he did everything we asked him to do tonight. We just, they packed the paint, so it's hard to, to get the ball to him down there at times. Um, but I thought he did a good job. All right. Well, let's did, hit the negatives. What, what didn't we like? Three for 15, Mikel Bridges. Yeah. I mean, asking Mikel Bridges to take 15 shots in a basketball game, we're learning over and over and over again. It's not, it's not a good, it's not what you want to do. Uh, he tried, but Mikel is not a guy that's going to, that you could look at and say, look, I, you've got to be a high volume shooter. They've had to rely on him to do that, but maybe, you know, and we've said, like, you know, that's a guy you're paying a lot of money to. Maybe he's got to be the guy that has to step up. Maybe not. Maybe that's just not something that he's capable of doing. So that was one negative is that Mikael Bridges, you know, shot a woeful three for 15 from the field. Yeah. The other problem, and I talked about this yesterday, the bench. Bench. Yeah, they weren't good. Uh, they're 14 points. Yeah. They're 14 points out of your bench. Yep. They got outscored 35 to 14 in that game. They outscored you by 21 points. Now, you shut down Donovan Mitchell. I think he might have been a little physically and mentally worn down from that 71-point game the other day against Chicago. Um, so you did kind of shut him down quite a bit. But it was their bench that came in, and their bench was the spark. That NATO was terrific, and they they made plays with their bench, and the Suns didn't. That's a problem. Yeah, Jetty Osman was good. Neto was was really really good. Really the good. Suns bench wasn't. And then if we're if we're piling on with the bad news, campaign re-aggravated that foot injury. Didn't play in the second half. Was ruled out. We haven't gotten word. At least I haven't seen any word on what they're thinking about how long he's going to be out. They had just gotten him back. Right. So now a team that had you know had been thin, gotten some guys back. You were kind of hoping that getting guys back would help. Now they're thin again without their backup point guard. So again, that kind of speaks to the bench and the vulnerabilities that they have right there. And then just overall, okay, 7 of 8, 12 of your last, what, 16, you're a game over 500 if you're the Suns. I mean, you're still in that play-in area in the standings. Miami's next. You are. You are Miami's next. Cleveland again Golden a couple State. of days after that. Golden State. Denver, mm. Memphis, uh, Brooklyn, Indiana. The easiest uh, game is Minnesota. It's the easiest game you got coming up is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah. It's it's a gauntlet, and you're you still haven't quite found that rhythm that you're looking for. They played they played hard last night. They played with that spirit we were looking for. Wasn't enough. Wasn't enough. No. I mean, you got the competitive game you wanted. They just were James Jones talked about this. There were plenty of games that we haven't been able to close. Yes, they weren't able to close. Ten-point lead, seven-point lead. Weren't able to close that game late. Cleveland was able to come back, and they were able to steal that game at the end. Kyler Murray has, in our words, regressed the season. Does his head coach acknowledge the same regression? Cliff Kingsbury was asked about it. You'll hear what he said next, the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
John Gambit or Dave Burns hanging out with you here on Arizona Sports on this Thursday afternoon. The Arizona Cardinals getting ready for their season finale Sunday. Of course, we all at this point know what's at stake in this game, and it's a vastly different set of circumstances than this time a year ago where we want them to lose so that they hold on to the number four draft pick and maybe even improve upon the number four draft pick. It is quite the contrast. Not apologizing for it either. No, not one bit. Not Let's one bit. go 49ers. It's, I, I I offer no apologies for it either. It's what needs to happen. It's mm-hmm. anything else would be a little bit of an end season disaster if they were to not be at least four in this draft. And then, of course, we'll wait and see what happens on Monday. What happens with the front office? What happens with the coach? What happens with the assistant coaches? And then we'll wait to see this offseason how Kyler Murray recovers and responds from his surgery. He had the surgery in the last couple of days, um, and it was uh, reacted upon by Cliff Kingsbury yesterday, who talked about the surgery and called it a reset year for Kyler. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's never been through this, obviously, but uh, he's excited. I think it can be kind of a reset for him. Um, we know, you know, we had our struggles this year offensively, and we feel like we can play at a much higher level. And um, I think he understands that he can build himself back better and um, attack this thing. And I think that's how he's viewing it. So it's kind of a, a reset, and you know, where he takes it now is kind of how what's going to define his career. It's It's going to define his career. And where he takes it from here will define his career. Because I I can't believe we're saying this. Like, I never would have thought when Kyler Murray won the rookie of the year. The rookie of the year. Mm -hmm. He was the rookie of the year. And that offense, which was terrible, ended up being, like, decent, right? It was a pretty good offense. And then you had DeAndre Hopkins, and then you get off to the great start last. Like, I would have never thought that here we would be the beginning of 2023. And like, okay, is there a, when can they get off of Kyler's contract? Like, what if he can you get off it after next year? Like, I can't believe we're talking about that. But yeah, I mean, this will define him because if he comes back from the injury and he's not good, you're going to have to start thinking about the future of the position at quarterback. Kyler regressed this year. He wasn't good. He was so many quarterbacks passed him by. So many. Mm-hmm. You know, we sat there and said, okay, Kyler's a top 10 quarterback. And then Kyler's a, could buy, how many guys do you take over? Kyle, I would, oh, maybe it's just only Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And you started to, but now all these other quarterbacks that were like in the mix, it's, you know, it's almost like Devin Booker passing guys by. You know, a lot, a lot of quarterbacks have passed Kyler Murray by this year to the point where like, okay, he's a middle of the pack quarterback at this point. Yes. And middle of the pack quarterbacks, you you make you make decisions on those guys. Do you keep them or do you do you get rid of them? Yeah, it's funny. We had that exact conversation last week when you were gone on vacation. It was a tweet from somebody, a noted NFL insider, who kind of lumped Kyler into the same cat. Oh, yeah, I remember it was the day Derek Carr was sent home by the Raiders and and Did you it, trade for Derek Carr. And, and, well, no, no, it wasn't that specifically. It was more like, okay, Raider fans want to get off a of Derek Carr's contract. How do you do it? Yeah, Bronco fans want to get off a of Russell Wilson's contract. How do you do it? And he lumped. Kyler into that, and he, and, he, and and we even discussed. Are we man, there? Are, that's exactly how we framed it. Are we there? Not yet, and I'm not there yet oh, either. We could be very but quickly. You, you can see it from here, right? Depending on how next year goes, you can see. That conversation being this time a year from now, depending on how his comeback goes, depending on... And it might not even be fair, because he's be, going to be coming back from a major injury. And then we're going to be saying, okay, your your career with the Cardinals could be on the line based on what you do in these, you know, 10 games you play in coming off an ACL injury. There's the physical consideration, how he responds. There's the mental consideration, how he responds to being physically limited. Is, is he holding himself back? Is he worried about getting hurt again? 
again. And then then there's this idea of how he's going to respond if this is what happens. How is he going to respond to a new coach? How is he going to respond if that's where this thing is headed? How does he respond to a different voice in his head telling him what to do and well, coaching him? I think him? that's two years. If you bring in a new coach... You might buy two years for Kyler well, on the team before you decide, okay, this is good. I haven't looked at his cap situation. I would imagine you've got two years anyway. I, I don't know that for a fact. I'd have to look at the situation He's here and see. at least through 2024. I would figure. That's based on the contract. That okay. it would be very hard to get rid of him. So he's going to get two years. 2023, no he's got a cap hit of $16 million and a dead cap hit of $97.5 million. <laughs> So if the Cardinals cut a trade him, um, it adds $81 million to the salary cap. Now, in 2024, the numbers are 518 and 81.5. Yeah. So to, it, it, he's here at least through 23 and 24. Yep. Now, after the 24 season would be the first time where you might be able to say, okay, the numbers are somewhat, I don't even want to say reasonable, but somewhat you could maybe manageable. Live manageable. manageable. Yeah. 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 Cliff was also asked yesterday, and, and you and I, my friend, are on the same page on this. Kyler has regressed. I, I, I don't know how else you can look at what Kyler Listen, has happened to him this one year. One word that defined Kyler Murray this year was regression. We've said it a hundred times. Yeah. He's regressed. He's re- That's the, what, the what, what word defined Kyler Murray? Regression. The whole year. Cliff was asked about that yesterday. Here's how he carefully answered the question. I, I just think... As a team, with all the injuries, all the different things going on, there was just a lot of, you know, going against us and uh, the progress we were trying to make. And unfortunately, um, you know, that comes with it. When you are the starting quarterback, that's who's going to get the blame. And when you win, you get the credit. So he understands that. It's, I mean, that's true. When you win, you get the credit. When you lose, you get a lot of the blame. Um, I, you know, you wanted to see Kyler Murray take another step. You wanted to see him read defenses and understand defenses and get to the line of scrimmage and have a better plan of what he was going to do with the ball. And we didn't see that this year. And I thought maybe we would, but we didn't see it this year. You do get to a point where you just wonder if, okay, if he's, if you get four years in and you don't get it, you're probably never going to get it. Kyler relies very much on his athleticism and his ability and that first read. That first read's real important, but the problem is the plan. I mean, if Kyler, if that first read isn't open, that's when Kyler has always struggled. If the first Read is open. He can be dynamic because he's an accurate passer, and he's, you know, and he can make that throw almost anywhere on the field. But if that guy's not open, that's when you run into problems. The problem with Cliff's answer, if that's even the word you want to use, the problem with Cliff's answer is that it presumes that if there were no injuries, Kyler would have progressed. Progressed. I'm sorry, I mispronounced that. That because at the beginning of the, he said, look, the injuries made it impossible, and Kyler's going to take the blame for that. But with all the injuries we had, with everything working against us this year, it was almost impossible for Kyler to show any progression. So, and he's going to he's going to carry the weight of that, and and that with that kind of carries this assumption. Can we assume that the only reason why Kyler regressed was because of the injuries? Is no. that the only reason why he no. regressed this year? I don't think so either, but I can't prove that because, because there were always weapons so all many over injuries, the field. Right? There were always weapons all over the field. I mean, no Hopkins, but then you had Hollywood Brown. Then Hollywood Brown goes out, but you got Hopkins back. And then you had Ertz, but then Ertz goes down. And you still had McBride. I mean, look what McBride did last week with David Blau as the quarterback, you know? I mean, so it's... I just think there were always plenty of weapons out there. Dorch was a good player. Greg Dorch is a good football player. Mm-hmm. You know, get him the football. Like, I don't like the fact that I wish they had more size. Um, 
I do wish they had more size at the wide receiver spot. I think that was a little bit of an issue. But I think there was always a lot of weapons for him. So to sit there and blame it on the injuries. Now, the offensive line, okay. That, you know, I could probably put more of the pressure on the offensive line because they had to start so many different offensive line combinations and guys were always hurt. And, man, that Rodney Hudson thing, we knew it from the day it happened, man. This is going to be an absolute disaster. He didn't want to play. Yeah, I truly believe that he did not want to play this year. That was a mess. And I think the hop suspension also was a mess because he just never figured out how to how to work it without DeAndre Hopkins. And by the time they got him back, it almost felt like it was too late. I do want to pass this along because this just came down. Uh, a statement from Jim Harbaugh, the head coach of Michigan. Okay. Quote, as I stated in December, while no one knows what the future holds, I expect I will be enthusiastically coaching Michigan in 2023. I have spoken with the president of the university and the AD and appreciate their support of me and our program. Our mission as Wolverines continues. We are preparing for the 2023 season with great passion and you know, enthusiasm. Because of, because of the transfer portal, you, you don't have a lot of time as a head coach to sit on that, you know, and, and play that game. Play that game to maybe try to get more money out of Michigan or to try to see what's available. Because, you know, if, if, if kids start getting the inclination you're going to leave, then they may leave. You know, they may be, oh, my coach isn't going to be here. And, and, you know, I came here because of him. Or, so that's why, you know, if you're a hardball, you got to make your decision very, very quickly. And it sounds like he has made his decision to stay. I want to play this cut for you real quick. Vance Joseph, as he does every Thursday, met with the media today. And in addition to revealing that he also signed a contract extension this offseason, he said it was for a couple of years. He said this about any reassurances that they're coming back next year. Here's what Vance said today. I have not, um, but I'm not worried about that. Obviously, um, that's part of the business. You know, we're coaching to win a game on Sunday, and um, if it works out, we'll come back with a plan in the offseason to kind of fix everything because it's fixable, but we have not been uh, reassured of that. And that's okay. And that's okay. Fair. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't, you're Michael Bidwell, you can't tell Vance Joseph, hey, you're going to be back. But I keep, but, and, but then you don't tell, say anything on Cliff yet, you know? Of course. Because if you do hire a head coach, Sean Payton or somebody else, that guy is going to want to bring in his own staff. And rightfully so, he should have the right to bring in well, his own staff. According to reports, Sean Payton basically already has Vic Fangio in his back pocket as his defensive yeah. board. That doesn't mean he's coming here. That doesn't mean they're coming here. But Vance, supposedly that arrangement's already in place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Vance Joseph isn't going to have any problem getting a job, I wouldn't think. Because I do think he's a quality coach. Might not be a head coaching job. Might have to go back to being a coordinator. Um, but I listen, I like him. I do like Vance Joseph. And I probably believe that if they do move on from Cliff Kingsbury, that Vance would not get the head coaching job here, that it would be somebody else. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Has this current championship window already closed on the Phoenix Suns? Is there a different window in their future? We'll talk about that coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter Poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, for today's Twitter Poll question of the day, of course, we've got Eric Ruby here with us in in the auction community studios. Rubes, what's going on? What do you have for us today? Time to break out the crystal ball, fellas. Mm. It's a little bit of prediction time prediction. here. Pain. <laughs> what's your prediction? Prediction? Yes. Prediction. Pain. Rocky, Rocky three. Is that? Rocky three. Rocky three. Mr. T. Always right. sounded what like you were going to your Joker impersonation. Who does that rank among the, the Rocky movies? Personally, oh boy. I've got One it. two with the best, right? Uh, one was certainly the best. The best, the best. Two is great. 
The Tommy Morrison one sucked. Yeah, uh, and and Rocky Four in Russia was great because it was so bad. <laughs> it was just it was one of the best bad movies of all but time. It really, really was. It was you so believe. bad, but God, it was so good. And did we count the Creed movies? Because the first Creed movie was excellent. But the, the Russia one had the great scene, though. I know. Him driving the car. I, I, I know, but the, no the, easy way out. the first Creed movie, uh, I would put Rocky Three probably as the third best. Okay. Fourth right. best? Yes, yeah, sorry, we got this. Yeah, no, okay. I'm going to put a poll question out there ranking the Rocky <laughs> movies, but I'm going to have to wait on that. Our okay. question for today is, Cardinals, they're currently slated to pick fourth in the upcoming draft. When the season is all over after this weekend, what is more likely to happen? The pick goes up from four, so two or three, or it goes down. It's definitely not six. It's definitely not going down because they're going to get their asses handed to us. <laughs> See, that the 49ers have something to play for. Gibbo, Gibbo was not a part of our pre-show conversation before he got here. That's exactly what we all like. We're, it's not going to be worse because I just, we just cannot envision the Cardinals beating the 49ers. So based off of that, and based off the fact that there's something interesting going on ahead of them, the Broncos have no incentive to lose. None. It's not their pick. Who do they play this week? They play. I'm glad you asked. Because I don't know if you knew. But the Chargers. Do the Chargers have anything to play for? They I, already made it in the playoffs. I think they can rest their guys. They're okay, in. You might win. They're in the playoffs. I, they might be able to change their seed a little, but not a lot. Look, the Broncos played a close game last week against Kansas City. How many times have the Chiefs beaten the Broncos in a row? 14, 15. Oh, my God. Is it that many? I think it's 14 or 15. Oh, my goodness. Is it 15? Thank you. Oh, Mitch would know. How many? Is it 15? <laughs> Poor Mitch in his puppy dog voice. The Broncos it's haven't 15. beaten the Chiefs since 1970. What? <laughs> wow. The best. Wow. The best seed the Chargers can get is five or six. That's it. That's the best they can do is five or six. Is it worth it? Versus resting some guys. So if the Broncos win, because they have no incentive to lose, it's not their pick, it goes to Seattle. Of those two choices, there's a better opportunity for the Cardinals to get a better draft pick than there is a worse yes, draft Yes, I pick. agree. And the audience would agree with you guys. Pretty heavy. 78.8% are expecting either a Cardinals loss and or a Broncos win this weekend. 21.2% think it goes down to five or six. All right. That is the Twitter poll question. You can find it on the would Burns it be, would it be, Twitter page. Would, would the, wouldn't it be typical, though, like for, oh, for everything even, that... Don't even. Don't like, even. Wouldn't that be typical oh, Cardinals? 100%. This no. kid from Purdue plays the game of his life. They they beat the 49ers. And then you're like, okay. Look. Then you get jumped by Indianapolis, who needs a quarterback. I am the most unsuperstitious, non-superstitious person in this world. But on behalf of the football gods, do not tempt them by trying to talk this into existence. Please do not speak the this. J.J. Watt's going to want to win in this final game. speak this into existence because, David yes. David Blau is going to want to win. He played well last week. That would be. Well, here's, okay, let's talk about this for a couple minutes since we're there. Um... The Cardinals, okay, the Giants-Eagles game is going on at the exact same time as the 49ers game. If at some point the 49ers, who will undoubtedly be scoreboard watching in that game, up by three touchdowns. up by three touchdowns, and they call off the dogs, and they, they, they put their whole bench in in the second half, does that open the door for the Cardinals to do exactly what you're talking about? I mean, a lot depends on kind of what's going on at the same time while that 49ers-Cardinals game is Because the Giants played. don't really have an incentive to play. They're in the playoffs. They're in. The only incentive they have is to stick it to the Eagles. 
Eagles. And they've been oh. rivals in that division yeah. for decades. So that, that's their lone incentive is to, oh, screw you, Philly. We're going to keep you from having the top seed. We'll see if that's enough for Brian Dable to play all of his guys. In the meantime, we're talking now. Thank you, Eric, for that. We appreciate it. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. Boy, we've had so many conversations about windows here when it comes to the Phoenix Suns. Window one versus window two. Yes. Window one is the Chris Paul window. Win a championship now this year while Chris Paul is still at least some version of Chris Paul. Window two is the post-Chris Paul window. It's the mm-hmm. one where he's not here or a very diminished version of him is here and you need another superstar to pair with Devin Booker. You sent me a story today asking the cold, hard question. Has this window already slammed shut on yeah. the Phoenix Suns? Is it closed? Yeah, this is a you know, story. I think was an AP story, and they talked about only 18 months ago the Suns were on the brink, the brink of a championship, and now they're on the a different brink. You know, a, a team that lost 18 games last year has already lost 18 games with 43 to play. Um, they managed their fewest points since 2018 in, in a game just last week, and over the last four weeks they're four and 12. Only Charlotte has been worse in the last four weeks. Only the Char- only. Charlotte has had a worse record than the Phoenix Suns. Now, you know, with or without, you know, with Booker, without Booker, they're like, they're struggling. And, you know, they talked about, you know, championship windows usually don't close in an instant. But I think, you know, there's that saying, you know, as one door opens, uh, closes, another one opens. You know that phrase? Something about, you know, one door closes. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a career, uh, comment. You know, when one door closes, another one opens. It has to do with, like, in your career, your life. I think that the Suns have the same thing with windows. I think as one window closes, another one will open. For a lot of teams, when the window closes, that's it. The window closes. It's done. It's over. Start to rebuild. Get draft picks. You know, you you put all your stock into one team. It's an older team, and they didn't win, and now you got to start over. I don't think that about the Suns. I think as one window may close, and I do think that there's a chance that this window is closing. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do. Is um, closing or has closed? Because there's, I, there, to me, not winning a championship. To this me, year. there is no doubt it's closing. But that's to me a far cry from it's closed. I don't think they could. The way they're constructed right now, I don't think this team can win a championship. I think that they're probably their best scenario is to win around in the playoffs. That's what I would think. You said, what's the best case scenario for the team the way it's constructed right now? And this is barring. I don't know what they're going to do with the trade deadline. Okay, so I okay. can't. I just so get, so the way they're constructed that, right now. Yeah, I, think, I don't think this team could go any further than winning a first round series. That's kind of the exit ramp I was looking for there. Uh, the the if if they make a trade because as I would agree as they're constructed right now, if they don't make any changes, they're not going to. I don't think they can. I just don't know if they're going to make changes or not. And if they make a change, and, and I'm I'm going back, and I know, I know for every one team like last year's Boston Celtics, there are a dozen teams that don't do what the Boston Celtics did. What's the date today? January 5th? On January 5th of last year, the Boston... Oh, I just had this up on my computer. I promise I'll get it back. On this date last year, last season, the Boston Celtics were tied for 10th in the Eastern Conference with an 18-20 and 20 record. They played in the NBA Finals. It can happen. I'm not saying it will happen. I'm saying it can happen. It's, I mean, the Green Bay Packers are four and eight, and now they could be the team that the team to beat in the NFC play. Like you know, it, I, I understand. But, but for every Boston, there's six teams that didn't do what Boston did. There's ten right. teams that didn't do what Boston did, right? So I'm not going to sit here and say that it's easy. I think the big thing is the belief that James Jones has in this team, and whether he's willing to invest in that belief. 
Because if he's willing to invest in that belief with first-round draft picks, first-round draft picks you might want to save for window number two, then maybe this window can still be salvaged, but at what cost? Have you cost yourself the ability to go get Pascal Siakam a year from now or six months from now? Have you cost yourself the ability to go get LeBron James six months from I don't now think if such do. a possibility I don't think exists? they do it. Like, okay, if Detroit's going to trade Bogdanovich and they want a first-round pick back to the Suns, I don't think they do it. I don't think they do it. Because I don't think that they borrow from window number two to try to salvage window number one. I don't think they rob Peter to pay Paul. I don't think they take away from win- window two is still going to be open. Window two is Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, um, DeAndre Ayton, all the draft picks they have, like and the and money to spend with a new owner. Could put that in there. A new, new owner that's going to want to win. It's probably going to be I'm going to pay more in the luxury. Like that window. I don't think you take away from that window to help this window. The new owner thing is really intriguing because I'm sure somehow, some way, James Jones has had communications with that team, with, with the team, the new ownership group coming in. And so there, I wonder if there has been, and I'm just speculating here, some sort of a communication of like, hey, as soon as we're in, we're going for it. We're going to invest this, and we want to do this, and financially we want to commit to take it. And if James would be wise to wait for this new ownership group that's going to come in, that's going to want to spend through the roof to try to get this team a championship. And if that's the case, he probably is better off sitting on those assets and not using them, knowing that maybe a new ownership is going to come in here and spend to the moon to try to make it happen. What have I always what have I always said when people ask or people, would the Suns give up a first round pick for Eric Gordon? Would they give up a first round pick for I always say the same thing. No. No, they would no, they would not. I always shoot that down that they're not going to do that. So I don't expect them to do that. But you know, we'll see when the deadline comes up how desperate they are, but I think the further they fall back in the standings, then it becomes it's even more likely that they're not going to trade any any of those picks. When we come back, the Arizona Cardinals made a transaction today regarding JJ Watt curious, but it actually makes a little sense. We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo. <laughs> Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The following was from Hard Knocks last night. For these last 12 years in the NFL, every single offseason, every training camp, every season, I've poured everything into this game. And I've probably neglected important things in my life because of it. I've probably missed out on great opportunities because of it, but that's what I was willing to do to try and be great at this game. Was the first ever defensive touchdown in Houston Texans playoff history great? Absolutely. Was a three-sack game awesome? Yes. But anytime anybody asks me what my favorite memory of playing in the NFL is, it will never be a play. It will never be a touchdown, a sack. It will always be the people and the relationships and the experience. You were on your uh, holiday vacation last week when JJ announced via his Twitter account that he was retiring. Yeah. Did you, you didn't get a chance to react to it on the air. Did you have any... Th- I'm sure you saw it, obviously. I was surprised because I thought he had the type of year that would lead him to another two-year contract with somebody, mm-hmm. double-digit sacks, and still an impactful player. Now, I'll be honest with you. I didn't watch probably the last three hard knocks, okay? 
But I did watch last night. So I put it on this morning. I watched it this morning. As we get ready for the show, I watched it, uh, did my workout, and I got home and I put it on and I watched it. And I, you know, I saw, I saw the whole thing with J.J. Watt. And, you know, they started with J.J. Watt. They basically started with him and the retirement announcement and him and Zayvon Collins talking to Zayvon Collins and coaching him up and everything. I was surprised that he was retiring, but I always respect when guys can leave the game. Before they hit the big decline, Mm -hmm. because it's hard to walk away from the game that it's all you've known. It's hard to walk away from the money because the money is so good. But, you know, it's you you do want to, you know, your your health, you want to keep your health intact. I respect that he can walk away now when he's probably still got a couple of years left. But I'm probably surprised because I thought that he had one of those years this year that would would have led him to make uh, a lot more money over the next two years and continue to play the game that he loves. Yeah, that's that's a lot of what I had to think about it too. Guys who have a little toothpaste left in the tube, you, usually they they make sure that tube is completely empty before they walk away from the game. And JJ didn't. And having said that, there is part of me in the back of my mind that wonders if somebody comes knocking on his door next November, whether he answers that. It, I mean, I, 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 a newborn baby. He doesn't. It doesn't sound like he's that type of guy because he said it. Look, you know, anybody has a career, and we have careers, and you know the sacrifices that you have to make for your family, for your kids. Sure. We were talking about this yesterday. You missed almost all of your son's high school baseball career, yeah, because of this job. Because this, you weren't able job. to go. Yeah. You weren't able to go Sucked. to your son's game. You did. You hated <laughs> it. I used to take vacation days to go watch my you're, son play baseball. You, your son played a ton of varsity baseball games, and you missed almost all of them. Yeah. So there are sacrifices that you make that you know that that we all make when you have a career. You've got to make tremendous sacrifice. He sounds like a guy that doesn't want to make that sacrifice anymore maybe he does you know no maybe about it he does sound like a guy right now who doesn't want to make that sacrifice anymore i just for me if it's november and a team with championship aspirations much like the you know, the odell beckham jr flirtation all season long would somebody right? call him and say would somebody call him us. and say come play the last five games with us come play the last six games with us we'll give you a shot at winning the championship i i, I, I wouldn't I, put it past him to at least think about it because there's toothpaste left in the tube. Sorry, go ahead. I think a wide receiver is a lot different than a defensive lineman. Okay? As a wide receiver, you could go to the gym, you could run, you could do... As a defensive lineman, he's got to be strong. Like, you know, for him to... You would have to continue to work out like a madman to be able to have somebody call you and say, okay, I'm going to come play. You can't be like, you know what? I'm not going to work out every day because you're going to lose muscle mass. You're going to lose weight. You're going to the way he works out. And they showed some of it last night. Once he stops working out like that, like you can't just get a phone call. Hey, come back and play. It doesn't work like that. No, but wide receiver different than defensive line. See if he keeps himself in shape during the offseason. I don't know. It's just it's just a thought the back of my mind today field yates from espn reported that the cardinals have actually tacked on a year to jj watts contract 100 percent procedural purposes they can now designate jj watt as a post june 1st move which means his dead cap hit from his current deal can be spread out over two years two and a half million this upcoming season nearly five million dollars in 2024 yeah, I'm very confused by this. Okay, I'm very confused. I thought his contract was ending. Well, I think they had 
dummy years at the end of the contract yeah, in order to make it. I think they had the dummy years at the end of the contract okay. initially to be able to yeah, lessen so I, the cap hit. I thought him. it was just a two-year deal. And usually I, I always pay attention to, to cap numbers and contracts. So when I saw this one, I was a little taken aback because I really truly thought that it was just a two-year deal. Yeah. But obviously there's some dummy years and stuff like that in, in Because without it, Walt would have counted $7 million against the cap next year. So by doing this, they basically spread out the hit you know, that he would take. And it, yeah. it becomes a voidable year, but you still have to count the cap for the money. This was when they signed him. I mean, I remember it was very much a, hey, the reason we're doing this in part, the impact in year one of his contract is very minimal. It's not going to cost us a lot of money at all to bring in J.J. Watt, at least in year one. In year yeah. two, it went up. Then obviously there's some accounting that needed to take place at the end. He, he The way the contract was structured, he was always going to play this year with the Cardinals. Even with the league, he missed so many games last year. and a, like There was no way they were going to be able to get off of that for this year. He was definitely going to come back, and he played well. Did you see what he got in the mail today? Yeah, like a, <laughs> like a raccoon or something? <laughs> or? What was it? A stuffed badger. He got Man. a badger. J.J. Watt tweeted out, I have received a lot of wild fan mail over the years. The package that arrived today is being added to the list. He included three pictures. When he opens the box, there is a taxidermied Ugh. Badger. Who killed that badger? Shame on you. And it's like upside down. And, and so the first thing you're looking at is the belly of the badger. And then he pulls it out of the box. He puts it on his chair in the locker room. I imagine somebody went hunting for it, I would think, and then had it taxidermied when it was done. I would think. <sighs> Should have left that poor badger alone. What did he do to you? What did that badger do to you? Let him live. But my uh, stepdad is an avid hunter. Yeah. Avid hunter. Um, and he used to get the, the things that he would kill taxidermied like that. Yeah. I used to have nightmares as a kid that I would like fall asleep on the couch and they would all come to life on the walls. I'm glad my family didn't taxidermy what they killed. Like, <laughs> that would that would make it extremely as if it's not illegal enough. The, the whole point is to dispose of those bodies in a way that nobody finds them, glad, not put yeah. them somewhere where everyone can, everyone can see them. No, those but are I, family heirlooms. Yeah, oh. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, but I would have nightmares like the elk on the wall would you know kind of start talking to me, and I would wake up. It's <laughs> ah! like that talking fish that people have on their walls. That's the worst <laughs> thing. Whoever invented that's the stupidest thing ever. Exactly. Who's got a talking exactly. fish on their wall? Oh, my stepdad would have all these elk and a mountain lion and a bear. Oh, and, he killed a mountain lion? Yeah, he, he, a shame on him. Well, I don't know about whatever he's allowed to hunt. It's it's some sort of a animal like that. But, yeah, it, it, he had the walls I can't stand trophy them. hunters, people that kill elephants and, and stuff were, like that. I despise that. So don't put you at the table with my stepdad at the wedding, is no. that what you're saying? Yeah, don't put me at the table. <laughs> I'll be like, why would you kill that poor mountain lion? Man, let him live. Don't you're going to end up on that wall, Gambo. <laughs> Man, try to figure out the table Gambo's going to be at the wedding is going to be yeah. interesting. That's good. Yeah. One person table. I'm going to be with table for one. I might just be like in the, back, in the back corner, just me and Chelsea. Really can't put you with anybody. So that's actually not just, true. I've had a few people who have requested you to be at their table. No There's, way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You've oh, had people that requested yeah, me? Absolutely. 100%. 100% wow. I've had people that have, but after do that. they want me or do they want Chelsea at their table? No, they want you. Really? Well, I'm sure they like both of you, but yeah, they want you. Yes, of course. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. We'll That's see nice. what we can, yeah. we can do about I that. I have no friends. Maybe I'll make some friends with that one. <laughs> the Arizona Coyotes have created a crazy unique environment this season at Mullet Arena. Was it, what is President and CEO Javier Gutierrez seen in this limited sample size? We'll check with Javier next on the Burns and Gambo Show.